We are um, in the next to last session of our series on transform. We've been talking about the spiritual world that we live in, um, that we need to be spiritually healthy is where we started. Then we talked about the idea of uh, our internal world, our physical, mental, emotional world, and being healthy there. And last week we started on our relational world, and then this morning we're going to look at our financial world, and then we'll have Easter, and then we will do uh, our vocational world, the world of our jobs. And we've used the illustration here of transformed, and I have gas pump up here that, you know, this is what we start with, and we come up with a plan, and we use figure out what tools we need and what procedures we need in order to be able to accomplish that. And so that's kind of the idea. So. This morning, we're talking about the financial world. A lot of us struggle with the issue of uh, money and, and things like that. Um, I know it's Palm Sunday, but unfortunately, we had this all laid out ahead of time, and then we had uh, winter, which I don't think we're over yet. Uh, but uh, we had winter that we had to cancel a service for like the second time in 20-some-odd years, and then uh, we had another Sunday that was bad weather, and so we postponed it, and so now that messed up the whole preaching schedule thing, but we're going to make it do. So I thought about trying to tie Palm Sunday and money together, but it would have been a stretch. So uh, I'm not even going to try. Uh, Let me do a couple of disclaimers for some of you who haven't been around for a while or some of you who don't know. Um, Let me talk to you about, you know, because most one of the big things about churches is churches and money. And so let me give you a couple disclaimers here. Uh, We don't focus on it here. in 26 years, you could probably go back through, and there's maybe a handful of times I've taken a whole Sunday to talk about it. Um, we'll talk about it whenever we're discussing a book of the Bible and it comes up or that kind of thing. But as far as focus on we don't spend a tremendous amount of time focusing on it. Um, even when we're doing a building, there was no capital campaign. There was no fundraising letters. There's no matching monies or not, nothing like that. Um, we don't publish... Uh, where we are financially, just like we don't publish attendance figures here. Um, the reason is this. Uh, we uh, we, we want to spend our time focusing on bodies, not budgets. We want to spend our time focusing on names, not numbers. Um, our ministry here is focused on people. And so uh, we start putting stuff up like that, then that's what everybody starts paying attention to. We want you to pay attention to names and faces and bodies and and who's and, and connecting to one to another. Um, we don't ask people outside of this ministry to support it. Uh, we don't do fundraisers and bake things and all those kinds of things. Uh, right now, we are healthy financially. So if you want to take this whole session and, and go, oh, you're just doing it because you guys need money. No, we're fine. We're fine. Okay. And, and if you have a problem and you think that's our agenda, then then you take whatever we talk about here and, and, and give us someplace else. That's fine. That's a, there's not an agenda here with that. Um, but what we want to do this morning is we want to look at money because money is bottom line. It is a big struggle for people today. Uh, it is a big problem that uh, particularly with younger people now, when you're talking about college debt, sometimes of forty to $120,000, um, when you talk about um, the cost of living and everything else. So, so we want to talk about a healthy idea, a healthy biblical perspective of money, and that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to start with an unusual story in the Bible. It's probably a story that, in all honesty, you may not even know is in the Bible. Uh, and and when, we, when I read it, you're going to, it, it's going to take you back for a bit because you're going to think it's saying something that's not, but we're going to walk through it. So Luke chapter 16, this is a story that Jesus tells. 
Uh, and here's what he says. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and he asked him, he said, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you can't be my manager any longer. So the guy's going to lose his job. Okay. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do when I lose my job here because people will welcome me into their houses. So he says, I got a plan. Going to lose my job. I got a plan. Here's his plan going on. Uh, Verse five. So he called in each one of his master's debtors and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. And the manager manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, make it 450. So he cut the bill in half. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. And he told him, take your bill and make it 800. So let me ask you something. Stop right now and ask yourself this question. How does this guy look to his friends, to the people who, who, who have done this? He's now your buddy, isn't he? Now, he, he, hasn't, he didn't run this by a boss. He just made this executive decision, okay, so to speak. Notice what, notice what he says. This is how Jesus looks at it. Now, look, look at what he says in the next verse, uh, verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. So the manager looks at him and goes, look, I, you know, what you did was wrong, but it was pretty ingenious, actually. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. He says, the world's really good at this. The world has figured this out. Okay? Now, he's not, this isn't, this isn't Jesus approving of this. This is Jesus pulling out something, a principle here, and this is a principle we're going to look at. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. He said, and, and in the context of this, Jesus talking to Pharisees, we're going to see that as we go farther uh, in the message this morning. But here's what Jesus said. He's not saying what the guy did was right. But he's saying the guy's shrewdness is something to be thinking about. Because by shrewdness, what happened? The guy realized he had a problem. He was about ready to lose his job, right? So he came up with a plan. And what was the plan? I'm going to make friends with these guys so that when I lose my job and I go back to them and go, hey, do you remember when I helped you out? How about helping me out now? And, and Jesus' comment to this thing is, you know what, look, the guy realized where he was, he realized where he wanted to go, and he came up with a plan and he executed it. You've got to give the guy credit for that. I mean, what he did was wrong. But you've got to give a guy credit for the fact that he came up with this idea. And then Jesus later is going to use this to talk to the Pharisees and go back through sometimes and read the whole passage. But Jesus is going to go back later to the Pharisees and say, look, the world gets this. You know what? You and I need to understand that in the same way that the world builds relationships in order to get something for them, we need to be building relationships in order to get people into the kingdom of heaven with something that counts for them, not for us. And that's the context of it, okay? So we want to pull a couple of things out of here because what, what he's going to do here in this thing is he's going to say, look, you need to understand this. Uh, he goes on later to say this, uh, verse 14. 
Uh, do I have that one up there, Peyton? Yeah. The Pharisees who loved money heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. And he said to the ones, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. But God knows your hearts. What people value is highly detestable in God's sight. At the end of this, Jesus says, look, that guy, it was all about money. And that's, that wasn't pleasing to God. He said, you do the same thing. You, 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 you want to you look at this guy and go, oh, what he did was so bad. But the reality of it is, Pharisees, you guys are doing the same thing with people. You're manipulating people for your own benefit. Just like, the, just like this, this manager was. He manipulated people for his own benefit. And Jesus used it to go, you guys are doing the same thing. Okay? So anyway, so that's the, the context of it. So I, I want to say that because one of the things that lays some groundwork here for what Jesus is talking about, and it's the idea of exactly what we're talking about in, in transform. Realizing where you are, figuring out what needs to happen, what tools and processes and procedures you need to do, and then doing something about it to get a, uh, an end result. There are a lot of areas in our lives that we deal with in which we do that. And we've been doing this in this whole series. We've looked at our physical life and our emotional life and our relational life and our spiritual life saying, okay, this is where I am. This is where I want to go. Let me figure out what processes and stuff that I need to do to get there. So this morning we want to talk about in terms of money, all right? Finances. So here's the first thing. I want to lay out four things that you don't want to do with money, and then I want to lay out some things that you do with money. Okay, so here we go. Four things that you don't want to do with money. You don't want to waste it. Okay? You don't want to waste it. And the reality of it is, if we were honest with ourselves, we waste a lot of money. Okay? Um, we spend it somewhat foolishly. And here's what I've learned. What I've learned is, over time, the more you have, the easier it is sometimes to waste stuff, you know. And as you go along in life, and as you start to get more money, it's easier to waste it. We want to be careful of that. We don't want to waste the money that we have been given and entrusted to us. Second thing, we don't want to love it. The Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Um... There's something about the idea of loving it or living for it that gets us in trouble. In fact, it's in this passage that he talks about the idea that no one can serve two masters. You know, love the one and hate the other. You can't serve God and money. You, there, there, there's a tie here. And, and, and people go, well, why is, it that, why is it that Jesus talks so much about money? And why is it churches talk so much about money? You need to understand, it's not about the money. It's about your heart. It's about where your heart is. And if you want to know where your heart is, one of the ways that you can know is to look at how you spend your money. It's an issue of the, it's a heart issue, not a money issue. It's, a lot of times we go, you know, oh, no, 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 it's a money, you know, it's a money. No, no, it's a heart thing, and we'll, we'll see that as we, as we go a little bit farther. Um, here's, a, here's a third thing. Don't trust it for your security. The older you get, the more you realize this. The more, the more you realize that the markets and everything else can turn on a dime. That thing that you bought for an investment all of a sudden goes south. Um, that thing that you knew was going to make you money, the bottom line is it comes down to when you get ready to sell it, what can it sell for? That's what it's worth. It doesn't matter what you think it's worth. It matters when you go to sell it, what somebody who has cash or, or money or check to hand you for what it's worth. That's, that's what it's worth at that moment in time. 
And you have to realize that because a lot of us have got caught up in the thing of, you know, well, I'm going to make this investment. It's going to be worth this in the next number of days because, you know, this investor or, this, or this, this person told me that this is a collectible. And see, it has the stamp that there's only, there's only 2 million of these made and I have number 42. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's one of those things where that's what he says. He says, you know, you have to be very, very careful about trusting it for your security. And the last thing is you've got to be careful of expecting that it's going to satisfy. Things don't satisfy. Um, listen to what Solomon said. This is the guy who was the richest guy in all the world. This is the guy who was the smartest guy in all the world. Listen to what Ecclesiastes says in verse, uh, Peyton, throw that one up, 510. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. You have to understand, one of the questions I ask people from time to time is, and this is what I would ask you, how much is enough? I mean, really, how much is enough? You know? Here's what I've found. For most people, enough constantly changes. When you get to your number of this is enough, there's always, well, if I do that one more year, I can get this. If I do that, you know, you start working overtime to pay off something and you get it all paid off. And then you go, you know, if I keep doing overtime, I can have extra. How much is enough? I think that's a really serious question. Solomon, the guy who owned it all, said, you know what, here's what I've learned. When I got it all, it's meaningless. If you don't think it's meaningless, here's what I would say to you. Go to an estate auction. It'll put it all in perspective really fast. It'll put it all in perspective. It's like, well, you can't believe the good deal they got. No, that's what it was worth at the time to whoever had the cash to buy it. You know? Um, I tell my kids, you know, um, see all of this? I'm leaving it to you. I'm leaving it to you. That way I don't have to sort it anymore. I don't have to, you know, you know. Yes, I've carried it from place to place to place. I've had this for 35 years. I've never used it, but you get it. You get it. I've got it. I'm leaving it for you. You know, there's something to be said for us. And our state. You know, I, that was a thing that got me about Hornick. And, and again, I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. But you know what we cleaned up in Hornick when the flood deal? We cleaned up everybody's excess. You know? I mean, really, a flood goes through, a flood goes through the Papatar. We got to go in and, and, and replace a machete, a shirt, and a pot. That's it. Whole hut was wiped out. Shirt, pot, machete. You know? And you know as well as I do. We live in a world of excess. I'm not about, please understand this. I, I am not about making you feel guilty or me feel guilty for what we have. That's, that's not it. If you walk out of here going, well, I feel guilty because I got too much, then you missed it. It's not about feeling guilty for what you have. What, what you have has been given to you by God. We're going to talk about that in a second. You know, the question is what we're doing with it. That, that's the question. So let's make sure that we understand that we don't want to live for it. We don't want to waste it. We don't want to trust in it for our security. And we don't want to look at it as that's going to satisfy. When I get that, whatever blank you want to fill in, that new pickup, that new this, that new that, that'll, that'll, that'll make me happy. No one. Because there will always be something else. 
And, and those of you who bought something brand new, and you thought that that was going to be the last time you ever bought, so you know as well as I do, you know, a year later you're going, well, you know, they've come out with a newer, my wife and I had this discussion yesterday, they've come out with a newer security camera now, you know. She's like, why do we have so many security cameras? I'm like, well, you know, and I justified it all, and I was right, but that's okay. Um, I'll talk about that in a second. Anyway, here we go. Five things to recognize about money, okay, and your stuff. Number one, it all belongs to God. It's not yours. It's just on loan to you, all of it. It's not yours. Remember that. It's not yours, you know. You don't realize how freeing this is. When you can pray, God, I want you to know, your car is going to need new tires tomorrow. You know, it, right or wrong, it's God's. It's not mine. See, we, we get this idea, and we're going to talk about this with a small group. We get this idea that a percentage of our income should go to God, and then it's like, okay, so I get that percentage to God, and the rest of it's mine. No, no, no. All of it's God's. Every bit of it's God's. He just happened to give you that job. He happened to give you that money. He happened to give you that stuff and, and entrust you with it to say, you take care of this. I'm going to give this to you. You're responsible for it. You're the manager of it. Here it is. That's all he did. It all belongs to him. Every bit of it belongs to him. Second idea is this. One of the reasons God gives us what he gives us is to test us. Do you get that? In other words, God, God hands us and gives us things to say, look, I want to know what you're going to do with what I give you. And because if you do well with it, I'm willing to give you more. But if you waste it, I don't know that I'm that excited about giving you more. You know, you think about it for a minute. You know, you give your kids something, and they take care of it. What do you want to do? You don't mind upgrading it. You give a kid, a, I'm not saying you should do this, but you give a kid a cell phone, and he takes care of it, and he values it, and then he comes to you and goes, hey, I want to upgrade. Well, you know what? I've watched you take care of this one. Maybe I'll help you work towards that. But if he's coming to you every other day going, I lost my phone, I lost my phone. Can you help me? You know, can we, let's go claim the insurance on it so I can get another one. Time out. And by the way, understand this. If you can be trusted with little things, you can be trusted with big things. Um, I, I tell parents this, and, and, and I'll go to my grave saying this. If your teenager can't get their carcass out of bed on their own, they shouldn't be driving a car. If they can't be responsible enough to set an alarm clock to get up, why are you going to hand them a $10,000 or $20,000 or $30,000 vehicle and let them drive down the road and risk other people when they can't even get themselves out of bed in the morning? Really? How much common sense is that? You know? And they're like, oh, my kid's got to be able to, you know, well, you know, I mean, I, I just get, no, 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 it's kind of simple stuff. If you trust you in the little things, I can trust you in the big things, Okay. Scripture says that this way, don't store up yourself treasure here. Instead, treasure, put your treasures in heaven. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. If you trust, Proverbs says this way, if you trust in your money, you'll fail. But if you trust in 
God, you'll flourish like a green tree. Third thing is this. Money is a tool for God's purposes. Um, Luke says it this way in this passage we were just telling you about. Uh, I tell you, worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so when it is gone, um, they will welcome you into your turn and dwelling. The, look, the guy was wrong to write off the debt. But the guy had a couple of things right. He was looking ahead. He came up with a plan. He executed the plan. Um, and Jesus says, look, that's what I want you to do with, 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 with your, the things you're, you have to manage up, your time, your resources, your money. I, I was challenged this week with the idea of, you, we always look at things as, as time, time, um, money, and energy. Okay? And I had a, one, one of the guys boggled my mind because I never thought this way. He said, he said, you really only have two things, not three. You have time and energy. Money is a byproduct of how you spend your time and energy. He said, you just decided to take your time and energy and invest it in such a way that you get money for your time and your energy. You really only have time and energy. Time is a non-renewable source. This is going to get deep for a second. Time is a non-renewable source. Energy is a renewable source. I use the, use the analogy of H2O. You know, he said, you have hydrogen and oxygen. He said, when you do the analogy of time, time, energy, and money, he said, it's like saying I have hydrogen, oxygen, and ice. Ice is a byproduct of hydrogen. You got it, okay? I mean, some of you are going, no, I don't. Good. It took me a while. I had to write it down and keep going over it in my head until it made sense. But he's right. You know, time and energy. Our money is simply a byproduct of how we've invested our time and energy. Um. And that puts a whole different spin on money when you really think about it. But it's this idea here that he says money is a tool for God's purposes. This guy figured it out. and he, Now, this guy used the tool, money as a tool for his own purposes. Fourth thing is this. Money is best used for things that have an eternal value. The best use of your money is for things that have an eternal nature to them. Um, and that basically comes down to two things, God's word and God's people or people. And the third thing is this, we're all going to give an account for what we do with our money, okay? Just like the manager did, you're going to give an account for it, okay, and, and, and how you spend it. So with that in mind, let's just talk about some really practical, everyday, put-to-the-test kinds of things, okay? So here's a couple of practical things. When we talk about money and, 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 and being healthy financially, here's a couple of things. Here's the first thing. You have to know how you see money. Every one of you have life experiences and backgrounds and things like that. You have a way that you view money, okay? Um, when you leave out in the lobby, there's 16 questions right here for everybody to answer, okay? And you answer these questions, and then you score, and it's going to tell you one of four ways that you see money, okay? So I had this on the couch yesterday to bring this morning, and my wife, she said, uh, hey, I'm going to take your money test thing. And I said, I already know what yours is. She goes, well, that's pretty, uh, what was your word? Huh? Insulting. insulting, yeah. She said, that's very insulting. And I said, well, I just know. I said, I, you don't need to take it. I can tell you. And she goes, well, no, I'm going to take it. And I said, okay. I said, I'm in my office. She's in the living room. And I said, oh, by the way, I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write down what I think yours is. I'll write it down on this little post note. I said, you go take the test. 
You tell me what yours is, and I, but before you tell me, I will read my sheet. You know, kind of one of these magic things. And so, so she takes the test, and she goes, okay, I'm done. And I said, and your number one response is, you, are, you see money this way. And she goes, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and I said, and how do you think I see money? And she said, blank. And I said, you're right. And all of our arguments come down to those two things. In our world, I'm just talking about us right now, I see money as enjoyment. My wife sees money as security. Okay? So every argument we have about money comes down to those two issues. I think we should enjoy it. She thinks we should save it. That's what it comes down to. And so we're constantly, so she got, so this, discuss, this ended up this interesting discussion yesterday afternoon. We're still together, so we made it. We did okay. And so we got to talk about this. And I said, you know, I said, I see money as enjoyment. I, that's the kind of world I was brought up in. That's what I've known. I know I'm not going to take it with me. I don't intend to leave it to my kids. I, 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 I want to enjoy it. I've earned it. I've made it. I've been entrusted to it by God. I think I should enjoy it. Okay, and my wife, on the other hand, she came from a from a family that struggled financially, so that was financial security was very very important to them, and so she, for her that's very very important, and I know that. And so we get into the discussion yesterday. She goes, "Okay, but you got to understand it from my perspective." She said, "When something happens to you, I want to know that I can pay the bills." And I said, "Honey, I get that, but I also understand that if something happens to me first, and you're sitting here alone in the house, I said, I want you to be able to look back on all the things we enjoyed together. <laughs> I don't want you to sit there and say, I wish we would have done this." And I said, "I want you to be able to go to the books and look at all the great fun that we have with all the money, and you know, your kids will take care of you. We don't have to worry about the security thing, you know." And so we had that, you know, it's kind of that, that interesting, and she understands the value. We both understand the value of making memories. I, I, that was instilled in me a number of years ago by a dear friend, and I, I, I have, I've done enough funerals to know. My story will not be the story that I hear so often. I wish we would have done this. I wish we would have done this. So we, honestly, we are, we are heading out of town this afternoon to go make memories for the next four or five days. Um, and we always have fun, and we always figure out odd things, and we come back and go, boy, that was fun, and we got a lot of great memories. And then uh, sometime on the trip, we'll actually sit down and try to figure out where we're going to go next year. Um, and here we just pick a place for us to explore together, and it's awesome, and we're going to do it as long as we can do it. But, you know, so, but that's our idea. So, so we've had to navigate. So I know that in order to go on this trip for enjoyment, I have to make sure that she understands that financially we're going to be okay when we come back and we can still pay bills and we're still going to be okay that way. So one of the things that you have to do is you have to look at how you see money because how you see money is shaping how you spend money and what you do with money. And I think it helps you understand in your marriage, those of you who are married, what a lot of your conflicts are. And if you can do it, so I know that if I want to, consequently, here's the implication of this. By the way, I do this with all couples when, when, in marriage counseling when we get married. Um, here's the implications of it. I know that in order for her to really enjoy it, I have to make sure that she knows that we're still financially secure. So I go to her and I say, look, honey, this is what we have. This is how, what we can do. We can spend this. You don't have to feel guilty when we go out because I've got this money set aside in order to be able to do this. We're still going to be able to come back and pay all of the bills and we can still go and spend and enjoy the next couple of days. 
So if we're there and we want to go out to a nice restaurant and it's really expensive and it's about enjoyment and making memories, that's what we're going to do. And you don't have to worry about, oh, no, 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 you know, we're not going to be able to buy groceries when we get home, you know. That, that, that's, the, that's the concept, okay? So, so this helps you out. So first thing I think you have to do, you have to understand how you see money. Second thing is this. Um, you've got to have a reference point. You, 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 you really have to know where you are. And I think this is what happens, particularly with those of you who have more. It gets easy sometimes to lose it, to lose what, what, what you actually have and what, where you are with things. So here's what I'm going to suggest you do. I'm going to suggest that if you're really serious about this, getting healthy financially, you start tracking everything. You start knowing where it goes. We started this a couple of years ago, my wife and I, and, and we use quick and use whatever you want. That's what works for us. I put everything on a credit card so I know exactly where everything got charged to and, and, and everything else. I don't believe in, in credit card debt. I, I have no problem with a credit card. I have a big problem with interest. So I have credit cards. I use their money. Um, in fact, they're paying for this trip. Uh, because of the points and cash back and all that kind of stuff. So, the, so I can go that, and they have paid for it. Thank you, Visa. Um, uh, but I, everything gets paid. I, I just interest and I don't get along. So we're not, we're not friends. So I pay interest for a car, and I pay interest for a house. That's it. Um, so anyway, so, I, anyway, so we're, we're, we're doing We started tracking it. I can tell you how much I spent at McDonald's last year. I can tell you how much money I spent at open time last year. Okay? You go, where's that? <sighs> Poor people. The best Athenian Greek restaurant in town. But anyway, um, um, they're my friends. Those, I love those people dearly. Okay? Uh, they treat me well. You know, when I walk in, they already know my order and start punching it up and start making it. Um, I told him, I said, one of these days I'm going to come in and order fries. It's just going to throw you off completely. But it's one of those things. I know where it's all going. Okay? Just like the gas pump. You've got to figure out what it is and what's, what's wrong and what, what needs to be fixed and what's okay. And what's, you have to do that same thing with your money. You've got, to, you've got to spend some time putting it down, knowing where it all goes. Okay? And it will be eye-opening to some of you. When you start going, really, I didn't know I spent that much money going out to eat. And you would be amazed. You know, I had my parents do this years ago, and they're like, we can't believe how much money. You know how much money we spent going out to eat? Yes, I do. I just couldn't get you to see it until you started tracking it. And then they're like, man, that's expensive. Yes, it is. And it's, in addition to that, food that's not great for you anyway, it's a lot better to make it at home. I'm not saying you don't go out to eat, but I'm saying when you're going out to eat twice every day, it gets really expensive. And so, you know, you track it all down. It will show you what you value. And by the way, be honest with yourself. Um, okay, I, uh, I debated going here, but I'm going to go here anyway. So um, here's a pet peeve of mine, okay? This is a pet peeve of mine with kids and, kids and parents in, in high school. Here's what I hear parents say. I hear parents who get their kids involved in sports. And when I say, why are you involved in sports? Here's what I hear. I want my kid to be able to get a scholarship. Okay. Time out. Because I'm not really good with math. I'm numbers dyslexic. But let me just run something by you just for a second. If you take all the money that you spend on sports equipment, 
all the time that you have spent for tickets, all the traveling that you do to go to these games, all the motels for staying overnight in different places, and you add that up over six, seven, eight years, and then they get a 2000 or 3000 or $4,000 a year scholarship. You've lost money. If this is your idea of a wise financial investment, you're kidding yourselves. Okay? If you want to look at me and say, my kid's in sports because he likes sports and we want to spend our money going to games, welcome. We are friends. If you want to look at me and try to convince me and justify the reason you're doing it, here's what I would say to you. Run the numbers. Just be honest with yourself. And we do this all the time. If you haven't figured this out yet, we can justify spending anything on just about anything. And if you don't know how to do it, you see me. I am really good at this. Okay? I, can, I, I was able to convince my wife yesterday why we need, I think, 12 cameras in our house right now is what we're up to. You know, um, what's that? I do. I, yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I, you know, you're like, who needs 12 cameras? I know businesses that don't have 12 cameras. Well, you're not me, and I can justify it. I'm just telling you, because I did yesterday with my wife. I know how to do this, because we are good at that. We, and, and here's what I'm saying. You put it down on paper so you can see it, so you can sit back and go, you know what? I have to be honest with what I see. And like I say, I don't have any problem with parents looking at, you know, we love sports, my kid loves sports, we don't mind, we just want to spend the money because kids are going to be gone and we have fun at games and that's what our family does. Awesome! Hope that kid gets a scholarship. I'm going I'm to spend, spend $15,000 so they get that $2,000 a year scholarship for four years. Um, okay, just be honest with ourselves, okay? Like I say, um, you have to. If you look at those numbers, then you have to ask yourself, does that really reflect what you say you value? I know people say, you know, well, you know, I'm, I'm really generous. But here's the bottom line. If you track it, you're not generous at all. That may be a value that you want and that you think that you have, but the numbers don't lie. Look at the numbers. Look at what you say. The only way you're going to know that is if you put it all down on paper, if you track it. This, was this really helped my wife and I. When we sat down a couple years ago and we said, okay, we're going to put it on. We're going to know where it all goes. And then we're going to sit down with it and we're going to look at it and we're going to say, is this the way? Is this the plan? Is this the path that we want to have for our money? And we made some changes. And that's the other thing. You have to ask yours. You have to be willing to change and adapt. We sat down at the beginning of this year and I said, we, we have a goal in our house. We have a goal to pay our house off early. And we want to pay it off before we retire. And so I sat down and ran some numbers. I said, honey, I said, if we cut here, we could put some money here, and we could pay it off a year earlier than we had planned. So we started that down, the, down that road. And then all of a sudden, health stuff came up, so we had a bunch of money that was going to go to the doctor bill, so we readjusted it. So now the plan's kind of back to what it was originally. You have to continually be able to, get, to give and take and adjust it where you need to adjust it. It's constantly changing depending on the stuff. But you have to make sure your money and your values are the same. I know a lot of people, they're not. They think they are, but until you actually look down and sit down, and if you were to ask me, tell me two things that you value the most, and I, I would give you an answer. There's two things that are very important to me right now in my life. 
And then you said, let me see your bank account. The two things that I tell you that I value and the areas of discretionary income where I get to spend money that, that, that you know, doesn't go for a house and stuff like that, those are the two areas that I spend the most money in, the two things that I value the most. Those are the highest expenditure items in my bank and in my life. That took me a while to get there, but that's where I am. It's like, okay, this is what I value, and this is where my money goes. And they match. And for a lot of people, they don't match. They, they assume that they do, and they think that they do, but they don't know because they don't look at the specifics. So Andy Stanley, I think, has the best idea here. Here's what he established. Here, here's what he talks about um, in his deal. Here's what, uh, uh, here's what he says. Five things to do with your money. He said it's also a priority in which we, most of us live our lives. First thing we do is we spend. What do I want or need? That's focused on me. Second thing, we repay debt. What I owe, again, focused on me. We pay our taxes. Again, we, focused on what I owe the government. Then we save. Again, focused on me. Then we give, which is focused on God and other people. Most of us don't have a plan. We don't have, in other words, it's kind of like the gas pump sitting here going, you know what, I think one of these days it's going to turn red. You know, I don't want that orange rusty color. I want that bright red. And I think one day it'll get there. Well, what's your plan? You know, every once in a while I go out and I buy a little red paint. Oh, it don't work like that. Well, yeah, yeah, I got a plan, kind of iffy. It all gets to it. Think about this for a second. If you're God and you have entrusted to you money, and this is the way that you deal with it. What priority are you giving God with all of the stuff that he owns? If I have stuff left over, I'll give it to you. After I've taken care of me, me, we, me, it'll be about you. Make sense? You go, I don't like that. I don't like that either. But isn't that the way most of us run our, our, our giving, our money? We say, what's the most important thing in your life? My relationship to God. Let's look at your bank account. Let's look at, let's look at your giving process. Let's look at your plan. Well, you know, I give whenever I can. It's all God's. Andy Stanley suggests this. Reverse the order. If God's the most important thing to you, that's, that's what you do first. You take a portion. I, personally, I think you live by percentages, not by numbers, because... Numbers, numbers change. Percentages give you a, a, a reference point, a consistent reference point. Um, I think that's the principle, by the way, of the Bible. I think that's the story of the widow's mite. It wasn't about the amount. It was about the percentage. She gave all. Um, she gave out of necessity. Everybody else was giving out of abundance. They were giving what's left over. I think the principle, we're going to talk about this in Sunday school next week on the resurrection. The resurrection is an important principle, what we call the principle of first fruits. It was, a, it, was, it was a principle the Old Testament people focused on for years, that they gave God first. And then if the harvest went south, they just depended God was going to take care of them. But they always set it up first to give God the first part of it. I think we start by coming up with a percentage or coming up with a number or coming up with a way that you consistently 
Give God first. And again, if you think this is about us getting the money, you give it someplace else. I don't care where you give it. I always tell couples this. Look, it's important to put God first in your finances. Give it somewhere. Because otherwise, all your job becomes about is you. We're talking about this in vocational. All it comes about is you. There are other people that are dependent upon me getting a check next week. Because I give first. Does that make sense? Save. You know, there needs to be a portion set aside for the what ifs. I'm not trusting in it, but I need to say, you're going, wait a minute, what about all the other? You need to set aside a portion, and couples learn this really, really quick, that life happens, and there's all kinds of changes, and there's all kinds of unexpected things, and it's nice when you have something to be able to go back on, and I understand a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck, but again, even if it's a couple percent, even if you take like two or three percent and put it away sometime, every single paycheck, it adds up. It adds up. And then you pay your taxes. I'm not, I'm not in favor of giving the government more, one more dime than they ought to get. Okay? Because I know I can spend it and invest it a whole lot better than they can. Right? And I, I, get, I'm just as, I get, just like you, I get really ticked at some of the things the government is paying for and subsidizing. The government's not doing that. I'm doing that. That's my money that you are spending there. Okay? It's not this, you know, oh, it's free money. There no, no, there's no such thing as government free money. It's my money. Okay? It's my money you're spending. And when you get upset, think about Have you ever thought of the irony of this? You get upset because you have entrusted... These people, to manage your money, i.e. government, senators, representatives, tax people. And you get upset when you watch them use it foolishly or abuse it, right? God gives you... And we abuse it and use it foolishly and we think, oh yeah, God, he doesn't really care. It's no big deal. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. What's a couple? It's important. Repay debt, what you owe. Uh, like I say, I am big anti-interest. Okay? Uh, my wife and I spent 25 years, 20 years, trying to get out of debt, financial debt. We started, we started our combined salary, our first year of teaching was $13,000 a year, and I think we owed $16,000 in school debt. We took every dime we made for that first year, we still wouldn't have paid it all off. Um, I have been in a family and raised in a family that lived off of credit cards and only paid minimum interest, paid minimum payment. Okay? Again, run the numbers. Run the numbers. So, you know, you repay your debt. There's something about... One of the things about us when we built this church, we could have very easily gone to a bank and gotten all the money. But we refused to do it. I have watched debt ruin too many churches. And if we can't pay for it, then we're not going to do it. This, as far as I'm concerned, this could have been a shell for 10 years before I went to a bank and got a loan to do this. Okay? And, and you go, really? Yes. You'd be content? Yes. I would, because I don't have an interest payment, I don't have a loan deal, and, and so I, I'm just pay down debt as quickly as possible, because it is a killer to you financially. And then spend. 
you spend after all that's taken care of. You go, well, then there's nothing left. Then you probably shouldn't be spending in the first place. That's why the financial trouble that you've got. That's why you're financially upside down. Look, we may not like it, but here's the bottom line. There is something incredibly freeing when you become healthy financially. You don't have to trust it and love it and embrace it, but there's something incredibly freeing when you look at it and you go, you know what? I live within my means. New fancy stuff doesn't impress me because I'm smart enough to realize a lot of that new fancy stuff is they're paying interest on. They really don't own it. It's not free and clear. There's all kinds of debt associated with it. It's just not, a, it doesn't excite me. You know, um, I, I, I mean, I, I'm much more impressed with somebody who can live within their means. Um, and, and my challenge to you is this, get healthy financially. Um, if you say that God is important to you, it needs to be reflected spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, vocationally. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. In your relationships and in your money. And like I say, you go, well, you know, I don't like all this talk about it. Look, if it will help you get in a position to better serve Christ. You know, as a church, one of the things we take, and by the way, I'm not asking you to do something we don't do. We trust God to take care of the, the bills here, and he has. From day one, he has. There are times it got really rough, okay? but we have watched him do abundantly above anything we could ask. From day one, this ministry always said we're going to take 10% of whatever comes in and we're going to spend it on missions or outreach. We've always done that. When we did a building project, 10% of this building. We'll not build a building for us on the backs of our missionaries. If we're going to build a building here, our missionaries are going to benefit. So everything came in for this building. People go in, building fund, you know, X number of dollars. Well, you need to know. It went into general fund, which pays all the bills because we're not going to play that budget game of this gets... Okay, go spend this because it's budgeted. We don't want to doing that kind of thing. But whatever, we took 10% of it off the bat, and it went to Mission Field. I was thrilled. I think it was two board meetings ago, three board meetings ago. We sat down and said, we want to spend more money in missions than the 10%. The 10% is not covering what we want to do. In the past, we've just taken out a general fund. And we came up and said, you know what? Let's not do that anymore. Let's not keep pulling out a general fund. Let's just take 15% now out of everything that comes in and put it in missions or outreach. And that's what we're doing now. We just said, this is a percentage now that's going to go out because we just had a lot of fun giving away money to people who were serving the Lord in other places. And that's what we want to be able to keep doing. So, I, you know, I challenge you because, you know, because, because we have tried to be good stewards here, God is, we've watched God continue to bless and honor that, and now we have an opportunity to do more. That's the principle, Okay. And that's the thing. And so my goal for you, like you say, is to, to work it out. You go, ah, I need help. I'm in way, way, way over my head. Then here's what you need to do. You need to come and see me. I will not be the one counseling you on this. I am numbers dyslexic. Okay? I am not the person that needs to help you crunch numbers. Okay? But we have people in this church who this is their world. They live this world, they understand this world, they function within this world, and they can help you and guide you and direct you in it. And I can point you to all kinds of them who can help you walk through whatever you're up against.
because then some of us understand you get into things that are way beyond me, way beyond me. But fortunately, God has put the kingdoms big and God has put people in their kingdom that can help with that. And so that's what we want to do. So my challenge is you get healthy financially. So I end with this. Um, Jesus uses this unusual story to remind us that we're to be good stewards of our money. We don't waste it, trust it, love it, or live for it. We learn to use it wisely for God's kingdom. We recognize that to manage it wisely, we have to since it all belongs to God. We use it for things that have eternal value, and we understand that we give an account for how we manage the money that God has entrusted to us while we're on this earth. The stuff here decays. The stuff there lasts for eternity. And that's where we want to make our best investment. So let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, um, it, it always gets awkward when we start talking about this because church and money has been so abused over the years. Lord, so many people have uh, been turned off because of the church's approach to money. As Lord, we've adapted so many of the world's marketing techniques and, 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 and schemes and plans and stuff like that, that, Lord, we sometimes run the church like a like, like, like a business. And, um, Lord, uh, I just pray that you'd help to give us wisdom, that, Lord, may we be good managers of that which you've given to us. Lord, I look around at this building, I see all that you have done here. Lord, the fact that uh, it's paid for, the fact that, uh, Lord, you, you allowed us to be a part of it, that, Lord, while we built a building, we built relationships that, that will far outlast anything that this structure does. Lord, thanks that you have allowed us the opportunity to support and encourage missionaries financially. Lord, people who went in places that we can't go uh, or haven't been called to go, Lord, are willing to go, and, and we have an opportunity to help them take care of their financial needs. So help us to continue to do that. And, Lord, for all of us, may we be honest with ourselves. May we be honest about, um, Lord, our values. May we be honest about um, where we spend our money, how we spend our money. That, Lord, when we stand before you, when we give an account, Lord, that we'll be able to do and hear that well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thanks for all you've given us. Lord, out of our excess, may we honor you. And, uh, Lord, just again, thanks for being so good and so gracious to us. And just help us to be good stewards of it. These things we ask in your name. Amen.